You know, the Bible is just full of incredible stories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, I just love reading the Bible. One of my favorites is in uh, the book of Acts chapter 3. So in Acts chapter 1, Jesus goes back to heaven and he says, man, the Holy Spirit's going to come and it's going to empower you to be my witnesses. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. And then in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple court to worship. And as they're going to the temple court, there's a lame beggar. And so beggars would just, they didn't have a way to make a living. They depended on the generosity of other people for their survival. And so they would, he was sitting there and they would bow their heads and just lift their hands up and alms for the poor, alms for the poor, silver or gold, you know, whatever you can spare kind of deal, right? So they're on the way to the temple and they come across this lame beggar and Peter says, ha ha. I don't have any silver or gold. In other words, what you think you need, I don't have. But what you really need, I'm going to give you in the powerful name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. And the guy stands up and walks. Man, I don't have to beg anymore. God changed my life. It's a big deal. I can tell you all are so excited about that. I mean, man, that is incredible. What are you doing? I mean, so then... People hear, oh, what's going on over there? What's going on? <clears throat> so they come and arrest Peter and John. Drag them before the, the religious council and they say, okay, we want to know in whose name did you heal that man? And they said, hey, man, it, basically, you got an issue with us doing something for a poor beggar who needed some help? Okay, you got an issue with that, that's on you. But if you want to know whose name that was done in, it was done in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who you crucified, who God raised from the dead. And they were like, oh. I mean, it was, I love and that story. And then here's what they said. And that's not all. Salvation is given in no other name under heaven. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The powerful name of Jesus. Man, aren't you thankful for the powerful name of Jesus? Now, Here's the reality of it, though. If you grew up around here, the likelihood of you hearing gospel stories like that a gazillion times in your life are pretty good. That's a good thing. The downside of hearing the gospel a gazillion times is we become desensitized to it. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, I know that. You see, the gospel is the good news about life and death. On the cross, Jesus died my death. So I wouldn't have to die so I can have the gift of eternal life. Three days later, Jesus destroyed the power of death, sin, and darkness when he burst out of the tomb. Now he offers all who will believe forgiveness of sin and eternal life. That is the life 
unchanging truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we could get desensitized to it. Yeah, I've heard it preached. I've heard it sang. I've probably read it for yourself. So today, I want, I want you to do something for me. I, I want you to hear the truth of the gospel with fresh ears. I want you to see the life-changing power of the gospel with fresh eyes. The, the past few weeks, so many people have heard the gospel and received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amazing, man. Three weeks ago, there's a lady sitting right over here. I noticed, man, and at the end of the service, she came and got saved. The next week, I saw her sitting in the same place with two guys that she had went and brought back here. They got saved that week. Last week, I'm watching. There's a lady in the back corner back there. And man, we gave an She ran all the way down. I mean, grabbed a guy and said, man, Jesus saved me. I mean, like, praise God. God's really been doing something. Now, listen to me. God's not done. And maybe today, You're the one. Maybe today, God is going to do something in your heart and change your life forever. And the Bible is just full of incredible gospel stories. Another one of my favorites in John chapter 3, it's an encounter with a guy named Nicodemus and Jesus. Just look there in your outline at this. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. That's just like the top level of religious leaders. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs are evident that God's with you. I mean, in other words, he's just saying, look, God's doing something in you. And, and, and the truth is, I'm watching you and God's stirring something in me. So I had to kind of sneak away at night to have this conversation with you. What's going on? Nicodemus is asking. But Jesus basically ignores what Nicodemus says and says something really unexpected in verse 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, then here's a very emphatic statement, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Strong and very clear words. Nicodemus, God, we know you're from God. You're a great teacher. Hey, Nicodemus, I got something for you. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Boom. I, I, I mean, Nicodemus must be thinking, whoa. I mean, we're having this nice religious conversation and Jesus flips the script and just makes it very personal. So Nicodemus asked the obvious question. Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, nobody ever said that before, right? I mean, what, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I mean, what else would you think? You'd never heard that before. 
Now Jesus says something incredible. Verse 5. Jesus replied, I assure you, here's another very emphatic statement, no one can enter, that's very clear, the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Now that just means born of water, that's when you're born physically, naturally, you're in water, in an, in an ambionic fluid, in a, in a in a mother's womb. So you got to be born physically and of the Spirit. That is a supernatural birth. And verse 6 says, humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. I mean, Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, uh, you only see life by what's temporary. You're born, you grow old, and you die. But there's so much more than that. Mm. I, I came, Jesus is saying, to bring new birth so people can be born again to eternal life so death never wins. I've come so that death never wins for anyone who is born again by putting their faith in me, in Jesus. Here, write, write this down. Here's a way to say this. Physically, we are born, then we die. Spiritually, we die, then we're born. So there comes a time when we're born, we get old, we die. But spiritually, there comes a time when we die to ourselves, and then we're born again, and we live for Jesus. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what our natural life gives us. The wages of sin is death, and then hell forever. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, when I, when I talk to somebody for the first time, this is almost always true. If I have a meeting with somebody or, or just meet somebody and we have a few minutes to talk, I always say this. Hey, everybody's got a story. Tell me your story. I mean, I believe that. Everybody's got a story, and I love hearing people's story. Hmm. Now here's what I know. Anyone who's been born again, like Jesus was talking about, anyone who's put their faith in Jesus, share the same story. It's a story of death, redemption, faith, and eternal life. So today, I just have one question for you. What's your story? Father, we come to you right now. Lord, I believe everybody here right now has a story. God, would you right now, please, show us our story so that we might live out the story you have for us. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 2, there's a clear picture of every believer's story. Every believer shares the same story. Every believer's story is this. 
The question is, is it yours? Every believer's story starts this way. Write this down. I was once dead because of sin. It's human depravity. <laughs> Look, we, we are sinful people living in a sinful, broken world. Therefore, we live in a state of human depravity. And a human depravity is simply our capacity to do all kinds of horrible things. I mean, if you don't... I mean, the truth is, I mean, from Israel to Rockingham County, you can find as many horrible things as you want to find in this world, right? Why is that? Because we are depraved, sinful people. Truth is, we all are born with three kinds of depravity. We're born with emotional depravity. That's what we feel, right? Uh, I want to do things I know I shouldn't do, sometimes terrible things. I hope nobody ever finds out, but I want to do it. Right? There's emotional depravity. We feel things and desire things we shouldn't. There's also physical depravity. That's what we do. You know, we do things we know's wrong because I... And sometimes terrible things. I hope nobody ever finds out I feel those things, want to do those things. I hope nobody ever finds out I actually do them sometimes. We're depraved. Emotionally, we're depraved. Physically, we're depraved. Mentally, you know, what we think. I, I think things that are worse than the things that I feel or do. Sometimes terrible things. I hope nobody ever finds out the things I think. I mean, can you imagine if people could read our thoughts? I mean, could you imagine if we had little speakers on the side of our head and every thought we had just got announced to the world? It'd be bad, wouldn't it? Man, I don't want to know what y'all thinking. But the truth is, we think them so we're emotionally depraved, we're physically depraved, we're, you know, uh, mentally. If you don't believe we're depraved like that, just think about that. It's Halloween time. You see all three of those kinds of depravity in every Halloween movie, right? I mean, just think Jason, Freddy, Chucky, and the gang. I mean, what kind of sick mind thinks up that stuff. Now, some of y'all, I know y'all, some of y'all thinking right, well, I, I like those scary movies. I, I think they're kind of fun to watch. I like them. You know. You're making my point. <laughs> we are sick, depraved people. You bunch of sickos. <laughs> I mean, man, weird, crazy. Where's all that stuff come from? We're born with a depraved, sinful nature. Look at Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, verse 1. Once, this is part of every believer's story, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. This is, this is really important to understand. If you listen and say amen. Sin doesn't make us bad. Sin makes us dead. 
The gospel doesn't make us good. The gospel brings us to life. We're dead because of our sin. Verse 2 says, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now, maybe you read that right now, you go, okay, well, whoa, whoa. I mean, I get it, man. I'm a sinful person, but I, I don't obey the devil. Well, sure you do. So do I. You know, it's not a, uh, it's not a conscious thing. We don't go, uh, oh yeah, the devil's speaking to me right now. Devil, could you speak a little louder? I want to do exactly what you're commanding me to do. Doesn't work that way. It's not a conscious thing. It's a natural thing. So Satan who understands us too well, you know what he does? All he does, he and his legions of demons just tempt us to do what our sinful nature already wants to do. And we have these thoughts like, uh, you know, I think I'm going to just, you know, I kind of want to. But we never stop and ask the question, where'd that thought come from? So in this natural sense, when we give in to our own sinful nature, our own sinful desires, we're obeying Satan. Verse 3 says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, but our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Every believer's story starts out that way. I was just dead because of my sin. And all of us are in that boat. All of us, zero exceptions, are born with a depraved, sinful nature. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned and has fallen short of God's glorious standard. No exceptions. So this is the first part of every believer's story. Uh, we were dead in our sins. We were in desperate need of a Savior, and we didn't even know it. Second part of every believer's story, God offered me life because of his love. It's God's grace. Ephesians 2, 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When, when he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Man, that is huge. You know, grace is what God gives us that we don't deserve. It's only by God's grace we're saved. We can't save ourselves. We can't be good enough, religious enough, impressive enough, smart enough. We are dead in God by his grace. Through Jesus Christ. It makes us alive. Verse 6 says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God 
can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Now that is a mouthful, but that is an incredible picture. God saves us by his grace. And then it says he, he can point to us in ages to come as pictures of his grace. I mean, you get that? So all through history, right, we, we, we talked about a couple stories and, and, and we read through church history. You know, you go, man, well, look how God saved that guy. 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 Because of God's grace, he, he holds them up as examples of his grace. And that's true for every believer. So years from now, God can hold you up. We're the same boat, right? God can say, I'm going to hold Christy up. Look, Christy is a trophy of my grace because she believed me. Look, you know, Will, Will, man, he gave his life to me and he believed me. So now I hold him up. Look at Will and what I did for Will and what I did for Christy. I want to do for you if you will just believe me. What a great picture. How did that happen. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. That's grace. The, the sins that were mine that bring my death and result in hell He put on his son. We're all in the same boat. We all like sheep, just want what we want. But because of God's grace, he took all that junk, put it on Jesus. See, we deserve punishment by grace. We, get, we got forgiveness. We deserve consequences of our sin. By grace, he gave us mercy. We deserved his wrath. By grace, he gave us relief. We deserved hell by grace. He ushers us into heaven. We deserved misery by grace. He gave us hope. We deserve guilt and shame by grace. He gave us glory and honor. We deserve damnation by grace. He gave us deliverance. What a savior. Third part of every believer's story when I believed, he gave me a gift. It's eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. <laughs> you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So no one can boast about it. We live in a world that says good people get good things. Good people die, go to heaven if you believe there's such a place. But that's not what the Bible says. 
know what the Bible says? None of us are good. Nobody's in that category. By grace, you've been saved when you believed. You, you don't get to take credit for that. You didn't do it. It's what God does for us. So maybe you're thinking right now, okay, um, I get it. I'm simple. I, I need God. I can't save myself. I need to believe. But how do I do that? Well, the Bible tells us real clearly in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, that deserves a little explanation. Because that's not just you saying... Okay, I believe Jesus is Lord. It, it doesn't just mean you say it. It means you surrender to it. Jesus is my Lord. He's in charge. I, I surrender my life to him. confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord I'm dying to myself so I can live for Jesus if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. That's what faith is. I believe you. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So when I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord, I am dying to myself. You get this, right? You can't have life till there's a death. Physically, we're born, we get old, then we die. Spiritually, we die. Then we have life. There has to be a death. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. There's the death. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, when I confess Jesus is Lord, I am crucified with Christ. But I still am alive. I don't physically die. But the life I now live is a different life. 
It's not the life that the old guy lived. It's a new life where Jesus is Lord, and I live now by faith in the Son of God, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. Hmm. That's a huge part of every believer's story. Here's the last part of every believer's story. Now in him, now I'm his, a new creation. It's a life with purpose. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. Isn't that great? I mean, God thinks you're a masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God made us his masterpiece when he saved us. You see, that's what he does. He takes something broken, messed up, Selfish. Takes all of that. And he makes us something new. Beautiful. Forgiven. (laughs) He took his love, his grace, the power of the cross... He gave us faith, and when we believe, we become a new, wonderful, beautiful masterpiece with purpose. Now I'm not just living life for myself. Now I'm not just, you know, living for whatever pleasure comes next or whatever the next thing is I can buy or whatever the next thing I think is that's going to fulfill my life that never does. And he gives me an incredible life of purpose until he takes me home and then my life really begins. Mm. You know, that's every believer's story. Man, there was a time I was just dead, simple, just living in my own depravity. Then God, by his grace, made me aware of my need for him. And because of what he did on the cross, already took my junk and paid for it. When I believe him, he gives me a gift of eternal life. And now, I get to live with purpose. I'm a little anxious right now, a little nervous, to be honest with you. For weeks and weeks and weeks, I've been praying for this moment. You see, every believer has a story. The question is, Is that your story? There are only three possible stories here right now. 
Just three. Story number one. You walked in here a believer, alive in Jesus because you put your faith in him. He is with you, guides you, loves you, and gives you purpose. And one day, you're going to die. But not really. Because that fast, you're going to become perfect and enjoy God's gift of eternal life forever. Wow. Story number two. You walked in here dead because of your sins. And the truth is, God's been stirring something in you. God's been dealing with you a little bit. God's been speaking to you. But you're going to ignore him for all kinds of reasons. And you'll justify it all a thousand different ways in your heart and mind. And you're going to walk out of here dead in your sin. And one day you'll die. But it won't be over. You'll spend eternity in hell because you refuse God's grace. And you'll make a lot of excuses. You're making them right now. Story number three. You walked in here dead because of your sin. God's been speaking with you. Stirring something up in you. And you get it. And right here, right now, you are ready to die to yourself so you can live for Jesus. You're ready to accept God's gift of salvation right now. And one day you'll die. But because of what God did in you today, death won't win. Eternal life will be yours. What will be your story? I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Please, no one looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Please don't leave right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What's your story? What's your story? Man, if you are a believer, praise God. Would you pray right now? If you're the second story I described and there... <laughs> You've already made up your mind. Yeah, this isn't for me. I, maybe another day, maybe something else, but not here, not now am I going to do that. Please. Please. Don't. I'm begging you. God loves you and he has so much for you just surrender 
And you'll be amazed what he'll do. So right now, right here, if you can say, Steve, I get it. And I am not going to walk out of here dead in my sin on my way to hell. I'm not going to do it. God really is doing something in me right now. And I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. It's such a simple step of faith. If that's you, can you right now, just as honestly as you can from your heart to God's ear, just say, Jesus, I believe you. I understand that my sin is my death and hell. But you died on a cross so that my sin doesn't result in my death. It resulted in your death. I believe you. I believe you. And I believe you were put in the grave and three days later you rose again. And because you conquered death right here, right now, you are offering me a gift of eternal life. My sins will be forgiven. And I'll have eternal life. And I'll die one day and I'm going to go to heaven and be with you. I'm going to have a brand new life right here, right now. If you just prayed that and you asked Jesus to save you, now's the moment. I want you to just slip out of your seat and I want you to come down here to the front. There's some guys down here, right here to help you. Come on, right now. That's right. Who else? Come on. Now's the time. Praise the Lord. Who else? Come on. Who else? Come on. Now's the time. Come on. I'm changing my story right now. Praise the Lord. Come on. Who else? Come on. Keep coming. Who else? My story changes today. God has something great for me. I'm not going to miss it. Come on. Who else? Praise the Lord. Who else? We'll wait. Come on. Today's the day God changes my story. I'm not going to believe the lies and walk out of here like I walked in. Come on. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you that right here, right now, people have passed from death to life. Changed their story. God, you changed eternity right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. And we are so thankful for your gift of life, for your grace for your incredible love for us. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Y'all thankful for Jesus?
Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. All right, let's worship.